Hey, welcome to the Jacob's Well podcast. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Jacob's Well. And we are in a series called Transcendent, where we are talking about the nature and character of God. And this week we are going to look at that which is the most foundational, the most important, and that is simply that God is good. God is good. Basic, foundational, Christianity 101, right? In fact, some of you might think, wow, we're going to talk about God being good? I mean, duh. Shouldn't we, like, be doing this down in children's ministry? In fact, you know, when I was a young pastor, um, I used to do a lot of children and youth camps. It used to be cool. And then I'm a parent now. And so uh, that changed. But when I was cool and I did these children's camps, one of the things I always did, particularly with younger kids, elementary kids, is whenever I'd get up to speak or make an announcement or anything like that, I'd always say, God is good. And they'd all say, God is good. So let's try that. God is good. And then I'd say, God is great. God is good. God is great. You all do great at elementary camp. It's perfect. <laughs> and I would do that over and over again. And it would become kind of this sing-song thing. And I would pray that it would sink into the hearts of the kids at the youngest age possible. That they would have this deep conviction that there is a God who is great. And listen, we want a great God. That's what this whole series transcends is about. That God is utterly other. He is above us. He is beyond our pay grade. He is enormous. And enormous is just an inadequate word. It's it's just God is beyond anything. Where we stop, he starts. and, And it should just blow our mind. And you want a great God because in this world there's great evil. And you want a God who can handle it. And a God who's bigger than that. Who rises above the chaos of this life. But the other aspect of it is you want to have a deep conviction that God is also good. I'm afraid, however, that we're living in a culture that's kind of giving up on the goodness of God. We're we're living in a culture where that's being deeply questioned. And not only that, is that if God's not good, maybe there's no such thing as good. Maybe good is just what's popular at the time or what we think is good. Maybe it's relative. Maybe your good is different than my good. And who are you to say what's good and bad and evil? Those are old religious terms. Maybe we should just throw them away and everybody should just do what's right in their own understanding or in their own eyes. And, and the problem is, is that's creating a lot of chaos. And, and it's a, a call for us as Christians to come back to this fundamental belief, this core establishing that in spite of everything going on, God is good. And so we've been in this series, Transcendent, where we've been talking about the bigness, the vastness, the 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 the, the, the otherness of God. And and we've been saying one of the things, because what we're really studying is the nature and character of God. And and we're not doing it just so that we can have some theological pride, or we can feel like we've checked a box, or yeah, I understand my doctrine. We're doing that because we actually believe this unbelievable point, that, that this big point, that we know and learn the nature and character of God, because we are to align our nature and character with the nature and character of God. That is to say that when we see that God is holy, we should understand what it means for us to be holy. When we see that God is beautiful, and I hope this week, if you were here last week particularly, you were looking for the beautiful this week. 
You were striving for the beautiful. You were celebrating the beautiful. Because if he's beautiful, then we should seek to be beautiful and to share beauty and, 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 and create beauty. Well, well, this week, what does it mean that God is good? Because if he's not good, well, then does that mean we need to be good? We believe that he is good. And so what does it mean to, to first and foremost, to recommit our heart in, 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 in our belief that there is such a thing that is good? And that because there is something that's called good, we should strive for it, we should fight for it, we should look for it. Now, one of the things we've been saying throughout the series is that God reveals himself through nature. We see all kinds of evidence through creation, but also revelation. That is to say there are things God just shows up and says about himself. But, but reason, experience, spoken word, uh, God speaking through the prophets and through the spirit, the written word, the written word of God, and the living word is Jesus. All of these testify to the goodness of God. There's just an overwhelming just evidence that God is good. Just one example would be taste buds. Just a great idea. Imagine how, how horrible eating would be without taste buds. Imagine uh, he just came up with color. So you know what? We just do the whole thing gray. You know, we just do the whole thing gray. But he doesn't. They've got this incredible God all the way down to his greatest uh, um, example, the, the strongest evidence of his goodness is the living word of God. That's Jesus, right? Jesus, who came to earth as a human to say, listen, what I do, it's good. What I teach, it's good. How I call you to be, that's the best thing you can do because it's good. And if you ever doubt the goodness of God, because we're going to talk about doubting the goodness of God in here in a minute. If you ever doubt it, just look to Christ in the cross, because he had this incredible thing of stepping into evil and bringing good on our behalf. And the love of God, the goodness of God is established in that. And, and so if we're at a point that we're buying into this cultural thing, maybe because of things going on in your life or things just because you're hearing it over and over again, that we're not sure if God is good, well, this weekend it's an opportunity for us to rediscover it. Because, again, one of the things we've been warning about is that we don't want to create a Franken-God. A Franken God is a, is, a, is a person, is a God that we just take certain pieces and parts. And there's some people who are creating a Franken God that they want to say God is not great. That God is not powerful. There are others, though, again, in our culture saying God is not good. Or there's no such thing as good. Our good is this incredibly relative concept. Now, I understand why people are saying that. They're saying that because of an argument they will make or a reason that they will give that they think is based on reason. But what I've actually found is that the reason people are doubting the goodness of God is not because of a reason, logical argument, but it's an emotional argument. Okay, so please forgive me if, if you're at this place, but, but the argument is, listen, if God is so good and he is so great, why didn't he do something about evil? I mean, why does he not make life better and why is it so hard and, and why doesn't he show up more why do bad things happen and and, and atheists particularly say ha that just proves it it just proves logically that if God is great and God is good evil can't exist and and we as Christians just come back and say huh that's really interesting because here's the thing you need to understand about Christianity Christianity was born and flourished during one of the greatest seasons of evil in the history of humanity the Roman Empire 
It was a time of profound injustice and, and horrible living and, and terrible difficulty. And, in, and God showed up in the person of Jesus in that. In fact, what you're actually going to find is that Christianity thrives most during times of profound evil. Times when life hits and life happens and it's just difficult. And so for us who are Christians, we just kind of go... Do you not understand? Christianity is what is the response to evil. God's responding to evil. Now, now, why does God allow evil? Well, there's all kinds of reasons. And actually, dispassionately, they're actually really reasonable uh, uh, reasons. The, the first one is that because God is good, he believes in this thing called freedom. He believes in giving people the opportunity to choose. And by definition, if you get to choose because you're free, that means you might make some bad choices. And humanity makes bad choices. Now, rather than God just saying, right, you blew it, bad choices, God is still interacting with our choices and calling us to him. So because there's freedom, evil can exist because choice requires it. In addition to that, we just need to understand that there are other spiritual forces, there are beings, there are dark spiritual forces that are at war against the powers of God. And these wars are raging and these are going on. And, and because we understand that, we now understand that there are evil forces that we are supposed to oppose. And when we understand how we oppose them, we oppose them not by fighting like they fight, but by good. All of a sudden, well, that makes a lot of sense too. In addition to that, we're going to see this really powerfully, I think, in the scriptures today, is that not only do we have this war going on, but God in his wisdom and his goodness and his greatness can actually take what was meant for evil and what was twisted and bad, he can actually use it for profound good things. That apparently there are some lessons that can only be learned through humanity through going through difficulty, going through struggles, having something worth fighting for that we're supposed to be fighting for. Part of it seems to be related to this idea that someday we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And when we do, we need to have experientially seen what evil can do. We need to have experientially understood that you know what this evil is horrible and I hate it and I will oppose it because I see it it's not an academic idea we have seen it we have felt it we felt its sting and at the end of the day the story that God is telling is the most glorious story he's the most creative artist he is the best author and at the end we're going to go look and we're going to say that's beautiful and that's good. Now we're in the middle of the story. We're in the chapter where everything seems to be falling apart. And so very many times, I just want to read through that part of the story quick. But that's where we find ourselves in the story. Now when we take a step back and we look at those reasons, we find that those reasons are quite reasonable. Now people who come back and they talk about the problem of evil and if God is good there wouldn't be any evil, those kinds of things, they're usually making an emotional argument because something has happened to them. It's not the problem with evil in general, it's the problem with the pain in my life. That I had a disappointment or I had a loss. And listen, I'm not minimizing this because evil is real and pain is real and suffering is real. We talk about that a lot. But those are not evidence for the non-existence of God. Those are what God uses very often to do some of the most powerful things in our life. Everything in life has potential to make us bitter or better. And, and so let's take a look at this thing and just remind ourselves what the scriptures say about the goodness of God. We can look at a hundred verses. He says, oh, taste and see, that is to say experience. It's a metaphor of taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That because God is good, I can run to him. Because he is great, I am safe with him. One of my most, just favorite pictures in the Psalms is that we live, in it's a picture of prayer, in the shadow of the Almighty. And the whole idea is that God is so close that his shadow is on us. It's the picture of the little kid standing up against the bully, and the bully could just eat him for lunch. But behind the little kid is this big brother saying to the bully, back off, because I'm with him. And this understanding that God is good and he is great is powerful against the enemy. Look what it says also in Psalms 107. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Thankful for the goodness of God, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That is to say, he is faithful. He doesn't give up on being good. He doesn't realize, he doesn't come to the point and says, you know what, I tried to be good, but no one seemed to want it. I tried being good, but they really came out against me. I tried to be good, but they made a lot of fun of me. In fact, they reviled me. In fact, they persecuted me. In fact, they started bringing their evil to bear. You see, it's not a sentimental notion to be good. It takes a remarkable amount of courage. It takes backbone to be good because evil will oppose you. Now, if you're a young person and you're looking at your culture and, and you're looking at being in high school or college and you look at what's out there and you say, you know, I want to be good, you know the price that you will pay to be good. It is a courageous thing. It is a bold thing. You actually have to be kind of great to be good. Now, not in your own power, not in your own strength, but in God's power, it takes steadfastness to be good in a world that is becoming more and more committed to the idea that good is not even real, let alone something to be pursued. Your natural state will not be to go to good, by the way. Okay, it'll go someplace else. Look what it says in Psalms 145, verse 9. It says, the Lord is good and has compassion on all he has made. This word compassion literally means to suffer with. It means that, you know what, God understands. One of the coolest things the book of Hebrews tells us about Jesus coming to earth as a human is that he felt what we felt. He was tired and cold and frustrated. He saw injustice and hated it. He, he, he went through things that were unfair. He tasted what we tasted. He saw the lure of all the temptations we had, and he rose above it. He, he, he rose above it, but now he understands. When we're weak, he's not, you're so embarrassing for being weak. He said, I felt the weakness too. I know what it was to have my body give out on me. I, I know what it was to, to, to feel just injustice that, that in that time and that place, there's nothing I could do about it. He understands what it means to live in the human experience. And so he has compassion on you. He understands. So because he's safe, because he's strong, because he doesn't give up on good, he doesn't give up on you, and because, you know, he understands, he is a good God to run to. And being in the shadow of the Almighty is a wonderful place. This is what we mean when we talk about the goodness of God. Yeah, this is basic, but it's foundational. And if you've started drifting from this, that something has happened, maybe a disappointment, maybe just lackness on your own situation. You've drifted from the goodness of God, and you've started doing some things that you just know are not good. Well, then it's time for you to come back to this most foundational point of the goodness of God. Two things that will be important to inform how we're supposed to respond. The first one is good things come from God. God brings good things. I mean, again, look at evidence, look at reason, look at laughter. Look, look at beauty, look at food, 
Look at uh, uh, um, love. Look at marriage. Look at all the beautiful things that God brings. The, the incredible joy that he can bring out of this life. Now again, you can focus on the evil and the despair. And there are plenty of sources that point you to that. But, but the truth is, our life is full of good and wonderful things. And those things come from God. Look what it says. Do not be deceived. So you could be deceived about being good. You could say it's not worth it. The price is too high. People will laugh at me. They'll revile me. You know what? Uh, I'll lose myself. You know, if I'm, I'm good. I'm not wired to be good. All kinds of things. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So he's saying, if it's good, it comes from God. The perfect things, the good things, the lovely things are from God. And one of the things that just is wonderful discipline to do is regularly and attunely is just write out the blessings that you, you have from God. You just sing an old hymn a million years ago, you know, when I was young. And, 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 and the, the hymn is, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessing, name them one by one. You know, that, that one. And the idea was you just kind of laid them out, and it shifts your perspective back to the goodness of God. He goes on in the next verse. He says, of his own will he brought forth by the word these good things, that we should be a kind of first fruits, a kind of first fruits of his creation. And so the understanding here is this. The understanding is, wow, Okay, God has planted us, and then he has watered us. That's the metaphor here, with good things that we might spur up, we might grow up, and we might produce a first fruit of what? Of goodness. That good things might come from us. That what God is trying to do in you is change you from the inside out, from being a bad person who does bad things, to being a good person from whom good things naturally come. And so this commitment to being good is a commitment to aligning yourself with the nature and character of God. That I want to bring forth in my life good things. So many people are so concerned about what they should do, they never test the question of why they should do it. So to take a step back and say, God, before you tell me anything about what I'm supposed to do or me figuring that out, I just want to do the right thing. I just want to do the good thing. I want my life to be something that is a good thing. So God brings good things. Second point is this. God can make good from bad. God can take things that are messed up, twisted, painful, and bring incredibly beautiful, redemptive, healing things in you and through you. In fact, I would go so far as to say that if you've ever prayed the prayer, God do something great with me, you should be very careful of that prayer because usually God's got to do some work in you before he can do anything through you. And usually what that means is some degree of pain, struggle, disappointment, frustration. The ability to be resilient, the ability to face evil, to stand up for good and then stand against the slings and arrows that are going to come your way. Because that's what it requires to be a person who does good. And, and so... If God can make good from bad, we can too. Now watch what it says about this. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Even difficult things, even painful things. You may be saying, there's stuff in my life, there's no way good could come from it. Listen, we will gauge that in time and eternity. When, when God shows us the bigger picture because of his transcendence, there's just things we don't understand. And, and I'm not here to prepare him, uh, uh, explain them to you. But I do believe that God works in ways to make 
beautiful things from difficult things. God works all things together for the good for those who are called according to his purposes. So if you want to be called to God's purposes, his good purposes, understand that there's probably some things that you have to go through where you're going, God, what are you doing? God, what the? God, what, what, where are you? And if, and if you've, never, <laughs> you've never been through anything where you question the goodness of God, well, you haven't been alive very long. I, I don't know. Uh, because <laughs> life's a mess, all right? Now, here's the thing. He says this. He tells this story. I want to set the story up. So this is the story about a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph. So Joseph had these brothers. And when Joseph was young, he was the favorite son of his father. He had this coat of many colors. The, the father just gave one to the one son. He played favorites. And the other brothers hated him. And they were going through that time of growing up. It was just terrible. And so what they did, they did a horrible, bad, evil thing. And by the way, you know what evil is? It's anything outside the nature and character of God. Okay, so you can figure out evil by looking at the nature and character of God. If you're doing something and you can't imagine God doing it, can't imagine Jesus doing it, well, then it's probably evil. It's probably something you ought not be doing. What would Jesus do? I know it's trite, still a really good question. Okay, and so what we have here is these brothers, and they're doing this horrible thing to their brother. So what they did is they took him, they lied to him, they beat him up, they, they threw him in a well, they put blood on his clothes and told his father he's dead, and then they sold him into slavery. Terrible story, incredible thing, unbelievably bad things. But here's the deal. Over like the next 20 years, God just shows up in Joseph's life. And, and it's not like it was easy because another time he got falsely accused, thrown into prison, went through all kinds of bad stuff that could have embittered him. But through it all, Joseph came to the conviction that God was with him, God was good, and that God was working things out. And so at the end of his life, what happened was jo Joseph had, had, had been promoted to second in charge of one of the greatest empires in the ancient world, Egypt. And, and he was in charge during a time of severe famine. And what we see is that, that the brothers had to come to Egypt. And you may know the story. And they had to come to Joseph. And Joseph reveals that it's him. And his brothers say, oh, my gosh, you're going to kill us. He says, I'm going to kill you. I love my father. Where's my father? And so he moves the whole family and the sons to Egypt with his father. But then what happened was his father died. And the brothers are going to themselves, great. Now, the only reason he's going to keep us alive his father, now father's dead. He's going to kill us, kill our kids. It's going to be a terrible thing because that's what evil does. Evil brings evil. Evil attacks evil with evil. Sometimes you see two really bad things fight each other. That's evil fighting evil. That is not our way. And we get confused about that as Christians. We fight with the weapons of the enemy rather than the things that God says, I have put my omnipotence in these weapons. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So then what happens? They came to Joseph and said, please don't kill us. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am in the place of God. Now, what does that mean? It's not saying that, hey, I'm God. He's saying, I've been made great. I've been put in a position of authority that I can call life or I can call death. I can make your life a blessing or a curse. I've been given authority. i become great. And wouldn't it be a better world if more people who rise to the place of being great in earthly things were also good? And isn't it a tragedy when a small person who is evil rises to a place of greatness... And just terrible things happen. And, and fear comes. And despair comes. And injustice comes. Well, Joseph is one of those rare birds who actually gained power, became great, but he also chose to be good. He also chose to work for the common good, for what was right, for, for that which would bless, indeed, the entire world. 
And I haven't got time to tell you all that, but man, it's, it, he's just an incredible character. Now, verse 20, this is what he says. He says, as for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me. No, he's not naive about evil. He has tasted, he's seen evil, he's experienced it, but God meant it for good. So we've got a God who can take the most messed up situation and turn it on its ear and do things in you and through you and deepen you in ways that you may not fully appreciate until time and eternity. That there is a God who's working in ways that's deeply profound. But what God meant for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He understood that God has a plan that I don't understand. He is, he is transcendent. And, and I trust in that and I see that. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them rather than shaming them or threatening them. Are keeping them on the edge. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So he spoke to their greatest fears. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your children. Because that's our greatest fear, right? I'm going to bring good to you when I could do harm. Because I want to be like God. I want to be great. I want to live to my fullest potential on this earth. That's really a godly thing to do. But I also want to be good. And I want to bring those things together. Because when you see it, it's absolutely beautiful. So the question we got to ask is, if the whole point of this is that we align our nature and character with the nature and character of God, what does it mean for you and your family and your job? What does it mean for me in my context and my relationships with, with the, 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 the responsibilities I have to be great but also to be good? To do them well, but to do them well for something more than myself. To do them well so, so that goodness can go with me and beyond me. There's two things we got to do. One is we got to believe and pursue the good. Some of you have given up on good. Maybe because the culture has taught you the language of cynicism. Maybe because you watch Fox News or CNN too much. And they have a vested interest in putting bad and evil in your face all the time. It addicts you. It pulls you back. Maybe, maybe the political system and the, the things we're about to do over the next year to each other, things we're going to say to each other, has got you amped up already, all right? Everyone take a breath. You're scaring the children. All right? Stop it. All right? Because those are the weapons of the world. Those are the things that they use. They words and slander and, and, and money and, and, and power to do their evil things. We're supposed to fight different. We're supposed to believe that there is a good that's worth pursuing. And even, and, and again, you got to be tough to do this. Because the minute you stand up for good, evil's going to try to shout you down, shame you down, bluff you. Fear you, sometimes it'll hurt you. It takes incredible courage to stand for the good. It takes incredible courage to say, I'm just going to stand up for what's good in, in whatever environment that I find myself. Look what the scriptures say about it. He says this in Psalms 119. You are good, God, and do good. Teach me your statutes. Well, where do we learn what's good? We look in the word of God. We see what Jesus said, what he taught. We, we see the teachings of God. We, we study this book so that we have clarity about it. And we don't beat people over the head with this book. We beat our own head over the, with this book. And, and we, we come back and we say, what is the way that I should live? What did the great people of old do that was good and godly? What were the foolish things they did that I should avoid? What was Jesus like? How is God and who is he? So we pursue it in the statutes of God. Further than that, we go in our own life. He says this, for whoever desires to love life. Are you loving life right now? If you're pursuing evil, you won't. Because it's, it's frightening. Because, listen, you may be making some progress pursuing some evil things. And, and you say, I'm not evil. You're taking shortcuts. 
You're not telling the truth. You're alienating relationships. You've committed to a path. You just can't imagine Jesus doing the things you're doing. Okay? And so if you, you won't love life for two reasons. One, because it's horribly unsatisfying and meaningless. And the second reason is, is there's someone bigger and more evil than you who's going to come and punch you in the nose. And, and it's you against them. So if you're not loving life, look what he says. Whoever dares to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. So much of the evil we do in our modern world, because they arrest you if you hate each other, things like that. But, but we do horrible violence with our, with our slander, with our gossip, with our cynicism, with, with, our, with our toxicity, with the things we say about people behind our head. Keep your tongue from evil and his or her lips from speaking deceit. Lying. We're going to do a message here in a couple weeks about the nature of lying and why it's such a terrible thing and why the Bible says God hates a lie. What it does to our soul, what it does to our mental capacity when we're trying to maintain all the lies. But to keep deceit, to keep deceit, man, you're not going to love life. You know, you know the hardest thing about being a liar is you got to keep track of it all. Who did I tell what to? Oh, I told them. And, and then the two talk. Oh, well, I, whoosh, shh, whoosh, cut. And then people know you and your character. It's just a terrible thing. All right. Look what he says. He said, let the person who wants to love life turn away from evil. So that's a conscious choice saying, you know what, I don't do that. You know what, I don't celebrate that. Don't laugh at that. Don't participate in that. You know what, I can't endorse that. You know what, I can't say that's okay. So they turn away from evil and they do good. You know what? You know, you know the best way to get evil out of your life? Fill your life with good things. I tell this to people in recovery all the time. You say, I, I used to, recovery, you know, being addicted, you used to take all my time in the world. What am I going to do? Well, you fill your life with good things. Good relationships, good activities, you know, good work, good, good things that are valuable. Go to meetings, lots and lots of meetings, lots and lots of meetings, because that's a good thing. You do good. Let that person seek peace. Look at this, and pursue it. Peace with who? Peace with yourself. Peace with your God, peace with people, because that's a good thing, and it's a rare thing. It's a powerful thing. See, God is good. We should be, too. Second thing we need to understand is that we can face bad things by making them good. Some bad things are going to happen to you. Some bad things are going to happen to your kids. By the way, the best way to help your kids when bad things happen is not protect them from it, but prepare them for it. Because some bad things are going to happen to our kids, and preparation is the best protection we can have. It's perspective. It's letting them struggle. It's helping them understand that in this world there's some evil people who do evil stuff. And that, that's just part of, of what happens. Another sermon another day. Face bad things. Make them good. Look what he says. He says, repay no one evil for evil. That's the world's way. Evil makes you feel powerful. It's vindictive. It's vengeful. It's, it's me getting up. It's me winning on you. It rots your soul. It, 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 it drives God out of your life. It not only destroys the relationship of the person you're bringing evil to, it actually destroys every other relationship in your life. Because what it does to you, what it makes you, is a person who doesn't know how to love. And so when you bring evil for evil, when you make revenge, when your thing has an eye for an eye, no one gets up in me, I'm going to control the situation, I'm going to beat you, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable, what is right, what is the high ground. Jesus said it this way, says if someone makes you carry your coat for a mile, carry it too. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. When people do that, it's honorable. And people look at that and say, dang, I wouldn't have done that. But man, you got to respect it. You know what, that's just good. That's right. And, and that's a great person. 
A person who stands up against injustice, but does it in such a way that they don't desire evil and revenge and retribution. See, we live in a world where it's all retribution right now. Another sermon, another day. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So not just in the sight of God, but what people would look at and they would say, that was the right thing to do. You know what? They, they had someone say something terrible about them. And they had other things that they could have said about them. They actually had evidence. They didn't do that. You know what? They, they had these people who hurt them deeply or hurt someone they love. I, I can usually handle when people hurt me. They hurt my wife or my kids. That's, that's Jesus' time. Jesus, you got to do something in me. But that happens, and then I come back, and I understand the power of forgiveness. When someone, someone curses me, what am I going to do? I'm going to bless. What the scriptures say? If possible, insofar as it depends on you, so he's a realist, he understands sometimes evil is just you can't have anything to do with it. But so much as it depends on you, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so there are times you just got to say, you know what? I'm not going to go to war. I'm not going to fight this evil battle. You know, I, I, I'm not going to fight evilly. I'm going to fight honorably with love and compassion and justice and truth. I'm not going to crawl down in the mud and say, well, well, what about that payback? Well, that's God's purview. And his perspective is clear. His judgment is clear. And he gets it right. See, this is one of the things we don't think about, about the goodness of God. The goodness of God means God is going to judge. Right? He's great enough to judge, and he's good enough to judge. He's going to call evil evil. He's going to judge it, and he's going to throw it down. See, that's what you would want in a good judge. You don't want just a, a judge who says, you know what? I know we were going to have a bunch of trials today, but I'm feeling good. Everybody is acquitted. You murderers, you rapists, you thieves, all you just go. And then the people who've been victimized are saying, what, what just happened there? You're not a good judge. You're a coward. See, our God is a God who says, I will stand up against evil. And in the end, evil will be shown for what it is. He says, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, rather than taking vengeance, to the contrary. What's our role? Because God's going to bring judgment and justice. If your enemy is hungry, punch him in the mouth. Feed them. Kick them while they're down. Take advantage of them while they're weak. See, this is evil stuff. This is the way the world works. Hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with the good. See, what's going on here is this incredible understanding that, that when you do good to evil, evil at first will resist, but afterwards evil says, I can't stand against that. that that's, that's so beautiful and good and noble. I want to be like that. It's burning Coals of conviction on a person's heart and head to say, I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to do what's right. Not in a churchy, arrogant, religious way, but in a quiet way. They'll accuse you of being self-righteous. But you're just so self-righteous. And all you got to just take a step back and say, I'm just doing what's right. I'm just doing what's right. See, this is a huge part about what legacy is all about. So because, again, we live in a culture that's questioning whether or not good even exists. See, we need as a church to have a deep conversation about, about what makes a life that matters. What makes a life that's significant. 
what about this legacy that I want to write? I don't want to look back and say, what was my life? I want to look forward and say, I want to rewrite it. I want to say, what do I want my life to be? What are the things that are meaningful in my life? And you see, here's the deal. A commitment to beauty, nobility, goodness, it's the key to meaning. To do things that are great challenges and, and, and to fight injustice, uh, to make things better. Whatever way God has called you, that is the, the key to discovering a life of meaning. And particularly for some of you who are young in your young 20s, even some of you teenagers, there are things that are good, noble, beautiful, and right that are worth getting out of bed in the morning to do, to fight for, to, to make happen. There are, there are things that are so important for you to do that it's worth you sacrificing and preparing and educating and doing all the things that you should do. See, this is what we talk about in terms of legacy. That there are things worth living for. And they're not power and money and fame and revenge. Those things will leave you broken and they will rot your soul. So I want to challenge you with some next steps. And the big next step I want to challenge you with is groups. Now, groups are going to be huge for legacy. I want you today, on your way out, to pick up one of these just because it's so incredibly beautiful. We have over 50 new groups starting. I know, I agree. <laughs> this brother right here gets it. <laughs> You're doing announcements next week, man. I can tell you what. We have room for over a thousand people in groups. Okay? And so here's the deal. We are going to have a deep conversation about a life that matters. We're going to be going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and, and some of these groups are ongoing groups. Most of them are new. Some of them are just for legacy. And that's a good thing because some of you say, well, if I get in for legacy and it's a weird group, I can get out at the end. And so I, I, I shouldn't have said that, but I did. And you thought it, so hey. Uh, but the, the point is, is that this is going to be a super important life-changing conversation. And we want to do it within community. And so you should take a look. You should, you should see what's out there. And we've really taken away your excuse because there are different times. There's men groups, women groups. There's a couple I would highlight. One, we've got uh, two or three, but, but one particularly a 20-something group that it's going to be, I believe, it's going to become a movement in our church. And, and it's going to be very exciting. You want to find out information about that. There's several new men's groups. We had a lot of men need to get in group life. And, and there's four or five new ones. There's men of influence uh, on Tuesday morning. Um, there's just a lot of awesome things like that. There's a ton of groups in, the, in, the, in the, the, the new, again, movement in our church of people between the ages of 50 and 70. There's some amazing things. If you're in a recovery program, hey, listen, all your recovery groups are going to be going on as they've been going on. Okay, we're not going to change any of that. We know that's just not being a good thing to do. But the point is, you can find out what's going on in group life. That is your big next step. This week, I want to challenge you through the devotions to commit yourself to the good. Say, I want to see the good. I want to bring the good. I just want to wake up in the morning and say, God, just help me see your goodness today and be grateful. And God, help me bring good things forward. Okay? If you're struggling at a point where you're struggling to trust in the goodness of God... I just encourage you, maybe you want to go over to the prayer room if you're here or if you're in the, the theater, there's a prayer room just to, 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 to uh, my right, to, to your left over behind the curtain where, where, where folks would meet you and pray with you. We've written a prayer card, prayer to God as our good shepherd. You can pick that up in the prayer room too. Do our devotions and be in prayer because God's getting ready to do some amazing things. It's not an accident that we're talking about the nature and character of God before legacy. Because there's a desperate need to discover who God is, and that informs who we are and how we should live. Let's pray together. Father, you are good. You are good. You are good. And 
in spite of the evil in this world, the battle that we are in the middle of, we cling to your goodness. Teach us to be good. Teach us to take a delight in doing good. Father, for any person here right now who's noticed some evil things creeping into their life, I just pray, Father, that they would just take steps to push those back. Father, I pray for any person here who is living in vengeance. They're, they're living with unforgiveness. They're doing vindictive things. They're doing things in word, in deed, in attitude. They're punishing with silence. They're doing all kinds of things. They may even do it in a, in a smile or in a religious way. In Jesus' name, set them free from that lie. In Jesus' name, help them to see a better way. Father God, I would just pray for any person here who's hurting because life has been hard. I pray that they could rediscover that you are the good shepherd. Father, you are good. You are good and you are good. And we lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.